This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two fists from the fighter Goro, Renee Rodriguez. Get over here! And Nick White. Hey! I, I was hoping for another Mortal Kombat thing. Uh, That's you know, a nonetheless... Mortal Kombat quote. It's, it's, oh, okay. it's a lot. It's attributed to multiple characters over several games, but I'm sure the exclamation, hey, Perfect. is a popular Mortal Kombat quote. Sure, sure. Well, thank you both for joining me this week. I'm really excited to talk about comic books. It is episode 285 of I Read Comic Books. Before we get into things, I have two small announcements. One, I want to shout out our brand new patrons, An and Graham. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We're really excited to hang out with you in the Discord and so that you can check out the backlog of wonderful episodes on the Patreon feed. I also want to say that on May 22nd, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're hanging out on the Discord. Our monthly hangout is a morning hangout, a little bit different than usual. The goal, the idea here is like, hey, let's have brunch. Let's hang out. This isn't like late night talk shows. This is going to be like a daytime talk show. So get ready to bring your drama. We're going to have mystery guests show up. It's basically going to be Jerry Springer, but on the Discord server. So make sure that you show up on May 22nd, 11 a.m. Make sure you're on the Discord at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord. You know what that means? Let's get into things. Day drinking. Mimosas. <laughs> oh, Bloody yeah. If Mary's. you want to show up with mimosas and comics, <laughs> that's what Danny's saying in the Discord to us right now. I 100% encourage that behavior. So show up on May 22nd. But let's get into things. Let me ask those legally mandated questions that I have to ask. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Nick. Uh, you know, things have been good. Uh, West Michigan Weather Watch, it's spring. Uh, it's been largely cloudy the last couple days and not really um, rainy, which means I'm not having to empty out the dehumidifier seven times a day. So uh, I'll take that as long as I can get it. Um, on the flip side, uh, it also means that my neighbor has reached that point in spring where it's time to take his 1970s muscle car and rev the engine for approximately 45 minutes to an hour and a half just in his garage. I love it. I love it. Exciting. I can't get enough of it. Uh, I hope it continues. Beyond that, uh, I, I have been doing some reading. Uh, I did read the third issue of I did read the third issue of Black Hammer Visions, and uh, this was by Chip Zdarsky, who, as some people know on the show, I'm not admittedly the biggest fan of, uh, as well as Johnny Christmas on pencils and mm-hmm. Dave Stewart on colors. This issue kind of features Abraham Slam, uh, which was another one of the reasons that like I wasn't super keen about starting this issue because he's just not one of my favorite characters. Um, but we Abraham Slam, he's getting a little bit older in age. He learns that the feds are basically creating their own state-sponsored heroes, including one that someone shares that somewhat shares Abe's likeness and even goes by quote unquote the Slam. Uh, and has now taken over the original uh, one's mantle because the original uh, Abraham Slam is too old. And this guy is basically almost completely like him, except he carries a gun. And geez, if that sounds an awful lot like a recent Marvel offering, you wouldn't be the only one thinking that. Mm-hmm. What an interesting coincidence. I have to believe that these were not influenced by one another but maybe i'm wrong the art by christmas is really animated and expressive while staying very grounded to the subject matter and the characters central to it and it's definitely one of those sort of issues that has you realizing that you've suddenly arrived at the last page instead of slowly wondering when you're going to get to that last page agreed 
So that's a great thing. The issue has a pretty simple message about personal growth and kind of splits the difference between two narrative tropes we see a lot in superhero comics, which is either A, the superhero trope where we severely punish the old hero who tries to get back into it and, you know, we see him brutally murdered and it's like, well, that's that's what life is and my name's Mark Miller and Netflix, please turn this into a show. <laughs> and then the other one, which is where the super, the aging superhero delusionally has this um, idea that despite being an over-the-hills hero sans powers, that he can reclaim his glory years, and for some odd reason he does, uh, and most of the time that involves a man named Bruce Wayne. <laughs> or John Wick. Right. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, like, does this build out much canon for the Black Hammer universe? Not really, but these issues really haven't had that expect- expectation levied on them. Uh, it does sort of inject that comic book hero trope of Uncle Sam being like, we need to make our heroes, and then their heroes tend to maybe murder a lot of people or or be sort of lacking the more human element that mm-hmm. quote-unquote normal superheroes do so we get some of that which is just basically just more of jeff lemire taking superhero concepts and and, and riffing on them or fleshing them out so not a bad issue uh, again everything that has to follow black hammer visions number one by Patton oswald it's a tough it's it's a tough uh book to follow but uh, thankfully chip zadarsky is following um jeff john's issue which is basically setting the bar so low that it's already on the floor. So, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> uh, beyond that, I will also briefly mention, I did read Sleepless Volume 1. I read this because it features the artist, which was also on my pick of the week, which sometimes sort of happens. I have a book that's my pick of the week, and then I go, oh, you know what? I actually have a, a book that's drawn by this person. Let's go take a look at that. So that's part of the reason I picked this book. I also picked this book because when I let Mike be aware of the fact that I was looking at picking this uh, picking this up in a comiXology sale, he uttered the immortal words, quote, I really don't think this book is for you. This wasn't even the slightly nicer edges sanded off, quote unquote, this book isn't for everyone, which would have been a nicer way of putting it. Sure. This was a pointed statement that was pertaining to me and me alone. So obviously... <laughs> I then just followed the rule uh, um, or the scenario best described by those who rage against the machine, which is, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. <laughs> and I read this book, <laughs> which is a terrible situation to be in, because when you read that book and you're done, you have to ask yourself, did I genuinely enjoy this book or am I genuinely enjoying this book to spite someone? Mm-hmm. And you'll never know. That said... <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed this book. It's uh-huh. creative. It's gorgeous. The world building is mysterious. And it's carefully meted out from issue to issue. And it always sort of leaves you trying to figure out how everything works, as well as figure out what happened in the past. It is very medieval D&D fantasy themed. Much like Game of Thrones, it is more centered around court intrigue, assassinations, machinations, power grabs, and monarch- monarchical monarch monarchical leaders yeah yeah right got it who may or may not have died under mysterious circumstances you also have magic here but it just very infrequently exists so it's almost like in the book black magic where you suddenly have the where the book goes from black and white to color and you have these moments where you're like oh i really need to pay attention to this because it's so infrequent and rare so Mm -hmm. that's kind of how magic works great story briefly we'll say beyond that um 
as the title gets at, you have this guy who just doesn't sleep. And of course, that makes him the perfect bodyguard, the perfect protector. And he's looking after this um, woman named Lady Poppy, who's having to navigate the fact that her dad was the king and he died. And now her uncle is the king. And there's sort of a navigating of where she now falls into this new power dynamic. And it's just a gorgeous book. It's a gorgeous book. Like some people think that when you have a colorful book, it also has to be a bright book like gem in the holograms, mm-hmm. blinding neon greens and yellows bright. This is a bright, this is a colorful book, but it's not a bright book. And I don't think you see that enough. I can't yeah. recommend this a book enough to people who like fantasy, uh, who like just gorgeous artwork, wonderful color work, interesting plot. And honestly, I don't know if I've seen a, arc of a book in a long time sort of slam the door on the arc with such a just absolutely stellar ending that just has you praying that you can start start arc two almost immediately so mm-hmm. i would recommend this book to mike i think it's a great pick um i can't <laughs> i can't recommend this book and it, it, it might not be for you i don't know um <laughs> Listen, listen. I I I genuinely didn't think that you would enjoy this because I felt like the 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 romance of the book, the feelings, the, was it the feelings yeah, was it the part where there sure. were feelings in the book? I I just felt like you were the type of person that would want to like read a book that's like half political intrigue, half romance. I mean, I'm so happy to hear that you enjoyed it. Honestly, it it really makes me very happy because I I adore this book, and it's it's really unfortunate that the book ended after a second arc. Like it could have gone on for much longer than that. So, um, this really pleases me. And now I know that I, every once in a while, if I really need to, I can pull that card out of my pocket of you won't like this, and it'll get you to read it immediately. So I'm very excited to know that that still works after all these years. Um. <laughs> Before we turn this into a sleepless podcast, though, no, I do want to no. jump over to Renee. Um, Renee, what's how have you been? How have comic books been? Well, first, I'd like to say that it's a privilege to be here tonight. Um, but, <laughs> and, but mainly, I just also want to say I respect Nick and the fact that he doesn't take anything too personally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Def- it, no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's been it, it's it's been a bit of a roller coaster mm-hmm. um, lately, but you know things are on the up and up, and that's good. Uh, but I didn't get to I I wasn't reading a lot uh, lately, but mm-hmm. I read the newest chapter of uh, Spy Family that came out last week, uh, which was chapter forty five. Spy Family, uh, story and art by Tatsuya Endo, and of course if. Uh, you're new here or haven't heard me rant about this series before spy family is a about a spy named twilight who has to go undercover in a enemy country and he's trying to uh basically stop uh two two neighboring countries from getting into a war but in order to do that he has to infiltrate a school so he adopts a little girl and then also uh basically has to find someone to be her mother and turns out they all have a secret He's a spy, the mother's an assassin, and the daughter is psychic. And then they later get a a dog that can see the future. And it's great, and it's wonderful, and I love it. It's a very good series. And now there's a mission on a boat, and it's amazing um, because they're on a boat, and everything's exciting about the boat, although they couldn't bring the dog, which is sad. Um, But 
Uh, I'm also really excited because um, we've gotten to see more of, of Yor, who is the, the mom, uh, and her assassin alter ego, her assassin alter ego, uh, the as the Thorn Princess is what she's called. We're able to see a little bit more of that. We haven't really done a whole lot with Yor in a while. We kind of have been focusing on uh, missions that Twilight is doing, which is the the spy. And we've also done some more story stuff with Anya, who's the girl going to this prestigious school, which is what the whole mission kind of hangs on. So we haven't seen a lot of uh, yours assassination world. We're sort of seeing that a little bit more. And this whole arc is basically, uh, you know, that she's also wondering if whether or not she needs to still be an assassin. They're kind of exploring that. And it's really, really interesting. And it's a great series. And again, it's only it's only 45 chapters. But mm-hmm. it's a good read, and I highly recommend it. Uh, and it's available on the Shonen Jump app. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing I read was a series, or I read the newest volume of Moriarty the Patriot, which is the story by Ryosuke Takeuchi and art by Hikaru Miyoshi. Also, shout out to the assistants, uh, even though I don't know their names, both on this series and on Spy Family. You know, they do a lot of work. But uh, mm-hmm. Moriarty the Patriot is a new take on Sherlock, which... I know there are so many. Why should you do this one? Well, one, this is a manga. (laughs) Okay. Didn't they already do a Sherlock TV show manga? Shut up, Nick. Um, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I do hear things from time to time. Uh Uh No, you're right. You're right. There's a thousand of them, but... Uh, this one is like from the perspective of Moriarty and it's like, there's more than one Moriarty and they're basically trying to take down the nobles. So they're like, we're just going to kill them. But we also need a star to point out, to solve these murders and point out that the nobles are horrible. So that's where the, uh. the, the Patriot comes from is they're trying to save the country. Um, I think and actually they don't introduce Sherlock until like the second volume of the manga. I don't think. Interesting. What's the manga with the little kid who's got the magnifying glass and the Sherlock Holmes hat? That is not Case that's closed. it's called Detective Conan, but in, in yeah, Detective in, Conan in the U.S. translation, it's called uh, Case Closed. But yeah, that's a right. Okay, that's a that's a detective series, and it's a very long running detective series. But it doesn't actually have anything to do with Sherlock. He's just a he's just mm-hmm. a great detective, and yeah, I. I Anyways. Conan's a big series. Either way, yeah. Mario the Patriot, Volume 3, that's what I read. Um, I like it. And it, again, also available on the Shonen Jump app. This is nice. This is not an app. <clears throat> I mean, we wish it was. I wish they would pay us to talk about that app. Man, that um, is the dream. That's the dream. But anyways, before we we you know beg any further to Viz and uh, Sheshua and all those people out there who make the wonderful Shonen Jump app... Um, let me talk about the comic books that I read this week. I, I have, uh, I sprained my ankle last weekend and it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. Uh, Strong. Not, okay. Wow. <laughs> not really. It's there strong. might be some recency bias there, but strong. I'm sure. Yeah, like, strong. Yeah, yeah I maybe. feel like really untrue. Recent. <laughs> 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 Sorry. No, I've uh so I've been I've just been hobbling around um and I've been, you know, reading comic books on and off. Uh I, I actually read quite a bit of comics. Like I got caught up on Demon Slayer that we're doing for the manga read read along um on Discord and uh so Demon Slayer's been great uh and I but I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about Swamp Thing number 1 through 3. Um this is by Rom V with pencils and inks by Mike Perkins, colors by Mike Spicer, um letters by Aditya Bidakar. Bit- Bit- 
And honestly, it seems like everyone and their sibling has been reading this book. So I'm definitely behind the curb here. I know that a lot of people really love this book and they've been talking about it. So like, I finally just was like, fuck it. I need to just jump on this thing. So I grabbed all three issues and I read them. I went into this blind only knowing that Rom V is solid as heck with Mike Perkins on art um, and, you know, Mike Spicer and Aditya Abitakar. Like, this is a killer team. So like, I knew I was going to be getting something good. It turns out that this book is fucking incredible. Uh, and I know that everybody's been saying that, so it's not like I'm breaking new ground here. Um, but yeah, I really like the approach that the, the team took on this book. I think Ram V's like direction of, of the story, like starting with this mystery character that we don't know. His name is Levi. Uh, Levi Kamei, and he's dreaming about something that happened when he was in India seeing his family. Um, and he suddenly becomes this green th- monster and he doesn't understand it. And of course, we as the reader are very familiar with this idea, right? Like we've seen people turn into Swamp Thing. We've seen people, you know, uh, what's his name? Alec Holland, you know, like fall asleep and wake up in a mysterious place. But the fact that this guy's on a plane and he's having this horrible nightmare is 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 quite disturbing and i really like the approach that they, he took to this book or that the team took to this book in making it a very like horror focused type of story and there's a lot going on here um i think it's it's really interesting to see how the interweaving of levi's personal life with his family trying to reconcile with his father um and something that happened with his brother that even three issues in we aren't completely sure about what's happening we see levi learning about what this swamp character is or the defender of the green or uh what is it guardian of the green is what they called it and we know this character to be swamp thing um it's really interesting to see it all kind of tie back to earlier swamp thing stuff but still break a lot of new ground in telling the story in a very different way where levi doesn't understand what's going on and it has this very like horror feel to it um so yeah overall i've i've really really liked it so far it leaves a lot of interesting questions unanswered that i assume will get explored as it goes on um but yeah, like this just feels like a really fresh take on Swamp Thing that we haven't seen before. And I'm really excited to keep going like this. This feels like one of those books that in 10 or 15 years, people are going to come back to and go, yeah, remember that Swamp Thing story that really, really was interesting. The same way that people look at, you know, like the way that uh, Jeff Lemire took on Animal Man or the way that Grant Morrison took on Animal Man, where there just seems to be like a really bold thing about this book that makes it unique um so i'm really excited i i realize this is a 10 issue mini series or maxi series so should be really exciting to just great be able to grab all this in one go and sit down with a really really solid story i was i was just wondering is the red still a thing or did they red con that uh i i, I really don't read enough dc to speak to it um i i have a, i think it's a thing but i haven't i don't think there's been an animal man story for a little well, while swamp thing was um, also connected to the red right yeah, it's like the green and the red, and then later the somebody rot. introduced the the rot, and then there's also the the gray. There's not the I don't rot know what Charles Soul was doing with his book. Now you're just naming colors, Michael. <laughs> well, listen, that's a thing that DC loves to do, guys. Yeah, there's a whole. Um, there was literally called a war of light because it yeah. was all the colors uh, coming together. Exactly. We're gonna start nitpicking. Uh, I don't know where we're gonna start. <laughs> I, I will say, this. what were you gonna ask, Nick? Do you feel like consciously or subconsciously this is DC attempting to either um, make their own version and or, in a less kind terminology, knock off of the Immortal Hulk? Because a lot of what you're oh, describing yeah. of uh, ultra ego, large, monstrous green superheroes. Um, struggling with their monstrosity uh Mm -hmm. there seems to be a real common thread there um 
Sure. I, yeah, and you know, I definitely see that. Like, I feel like when I started reading, I was like, "Oh, this just feels like they're a mortal Hulk." But I really don't think it's fair to compare yeah. this. It's, book it's in reductive the same language, way. but yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think it's fair because I think the the story that that Ram V is trying to tell is drastically different than the one that uh, Al Ewing is trying to tell. Sure. I, I think there's more of a universal like this is an entity that is greater than all things happening in Immortal Iron, or excuse me, Immortal Hulk, um, versus Swamp Thing is like, it's a reconciliation of one's personal, like, issues. Uh, it, I, it feels more personal, hmm. which is really funny because I think when you think of Marvel and DC, you think the opposite. Like, right. DC usually leans into like, this is a bigger than everything kind of idea, whereas, or like a mythical thing, whereas Marvel's usually more personal. Uh, and while the Immortal Hulk is personal, um, I think in the last 20 issues, it's gotten very far away from just being about Bruce Banner versus this Swamp Thing story is very much about Levi Kamei. Um, and the Swamp Thing, you know, I think character being this guardian of the green is like a a way for him to to process some of his his trauma in some ways. So, yeah, there's we could again, we could talk about this for a long time because uh, I, I think that the Swamp Thing series will probably or this this limited run would be almost good enough for like a whole episode's um, discussion. So. Yeah, everyone should go read it. It's very good. I can't believe that every five years since college, mm-hmm. people keep bringing up Swamp Thing. It's this is this. Just keeps coming back. This is this thing. I have so many feelings about <laughs> Swamp Thing. Yeah. And most of them are tied to the fact that someone always wanted to watch that stupid movie in comic book club. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since, mm-hmm. since I have had the passion and anger to ban Swamp Thing, from comic book club somehow swamp thing has consistently persisted in my life and i just people love the idea of swamp thing but not long enough to read it uh in a ongoing series i think that's that's the issue it's so confusing to me i'm just i'm just i'm I'm blown away but mike what was your other pick my other my other book that I read that I wanted to bring up at least I'm going to get through this really quick is uh, the Good Asian Number One. Um, this is Pornsak uh, Pitsotosh, I think, uh, with Andre excuse me Alexandri uh, Tefenki, uh, colors by Lee Lowridge, uh, let, letters and design by Jeff Powell. Um, a lot of people all over the internet have been also screaming about this book. Uh, I want to shout out Challengers Comics, their podcast. They were talking about this for a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple months before it came out. Um, it's a detective story that kind of uh, that follows this uh, Detective Edison Hark on the trail of a killer in the world of 1936 San Francisco, where you are revealed, like, or basically shown the ugly racist reality for a lot of Asian immigrants at the time. Um, we discover more about this character's backstory, and uh, it's ultimately like a really, really harsh book in terms of like, there is no like good side of this story, right? Everything is bad. Everyone's, you know, People, immigrants are being treated poorly. The cops who live in San Francisco are racist. Um, this character uh, is is a Chinese immigrant, and he is happens to be a cop. And so, like a lot of the people in these Asian communities are very confused. They're like, "You're working with them. Can you help us? You have this position of power." But he kind of hates himself um, for who he is because he's been treated in such a way for so long. Um, I don't think that this book is going to make anybody feel good by reading it. But at the same time, it's a very very good read. Like it's a it's a I, I I from what I've seen and what I've read about like this this time on the west coast of the United States, um, I feel like if you like uh 
Darwin Cook's adaptation of Parker or Brubaker and Phillips, the fade out. There's just this like harsh in your face slamming of like the bad shit that happened to people that were created and perpetuated by the system um, of America, like the systemic racism and and sexism that's built and built into America for so long, flashing back to this period of the 1930s and seeing this character who is an Asian uh, American, but also working within that system. Um, is really, really interesting. Uh, I think that this is probably one of the better books that I've read in a long time, like about a period piece that really just slams you in the face with all of the harshness of reality um, without apologizing for it or finding like a way to say like, and then there's this really nice guy who's actually not racist. It's like, no, no, no. It's just, it was pervasive. Um, and I think that this book does a good job of, of showing Edison Hark trying to grow out of his self-loathing um, near the end of the issue. So, um, or at least, again, really, really try. It's 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 a whole thing. But I think that, again, if you liked the, like, if you like Parker, if you like the um, the fade out, I think you should, you would definitely dig this book. book. Yeah, we, we've been, this, this episode is going to be so long, I can already smell it. Um, let's move on and talk about comics that are coming out. Comics are dropping on May 12th, 2021. What are you both excited for this week? Let's start with you, Renee. Mainly because I, I got to read Spy Family last week and I just really like it. I'm excited for uh, next week's chapter. Uh, I also wasn't expecting it to be to be coming out next week, but it is. Spy Family chapter 46. Uh, which, you know, again, starting art by Tatsuya Endo and his assistants. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're on a boat and there's assassins and it's a protection mission and we're learning more about your and you know there's there's also going to be some stuff because like obviously anya can hear all of this stuff because she you know can read minds and you know twilight's supposed to be relaxing but obviously he's not and it's like all right is you know it's it's a boat adventure with secrets i mean it's great and i can't wait to read more i'm like conflicted about waiting it out to have more chapters to read but at the same time i know i'm going to fail at that because every time i see a new spy family chapter i'm just like well i have to do this i have to <laughs> yeah it's an emotional roller coaster mike but you know what i'm excited for it i understand i understand that pain this is how i feel about one piece now now that i'm caught up i'm just like should i just wait a couple weeks but then twitter is all about spoiling everything so i have to read it when it comes out oh on man Sunday. you gotta just like block that stuff out or like stop caring I know. about spoilers i mean i guess find I guess. a cabin in the woods in maine and just uh i mean i just <laughs> meant like you can mute that stuff on your timeline well i know but except for <laughs> i intentionally follow the one piece topic on twitter so all i see is one piece stuff anyways we don't have to get into that uh that's enough, nick, that's what about you? another episode <laughs> yeah nick what are you excited for this upcoming week uh sure so i think for some reason i omitted the sleepless credits so i do want to briefly mention those um sleepless volume one is sarah vaughn uh writing Layla Del Duca on pencils, Alyssa Sarah on colors, Darren Bennett on letters. Um, and as I said, there's sort of a connection between that and my pick of the week, which is The House of Lost Horizons, a Sarah Jewel mystery, number one. Uh, this is co-written by Mike Mignola and Chris Roberson uh, and penciled by Layla Del Duca with colors by Michelle Mazden. Madsen? Madsen. Um so I think this is probably the first Hellboy or Hellboy adjacent Dark Horse book that Dave Stewart isn't coloring. So uh, I don't know if there was a potential <laughs> fallout there or what happened, but uh, uh-huh. he's colored the other 1,400 of them. So I'm just kidding. It's probably nothing. Um, obviously, Del Duca, as I mentioned earlier, uh, is perhaps best known for her work on Shudder and Sleepless. And Chris Roberson uh, is basically one of Mignola's frequent co-writers on Hellboy content. So 
that's not a big surprise. Um, in recent years, we've arguably seen the Hellboy verse sort of shift from being Hellboy and the BPRD centric outside of quite literally the book Hellboy and the BPRD, um, which I suppose is what happens when your he- uh, heroes are dead slash not dead slash in hell. Um, mm-hmm. That'll do it. Um, and so this book sort of involves investigator Sarah Jewell. Uh, she was in, um, the book rise, rise of the black flame, as well as Witchfinder: uh, the reign of darkness. She's kind of a contemporary, uh, for the main character of Witchfinder, whose name I cannot think of, but he is this special agent, um, ordained, uh, sort of tasked by queen Victoria, uh, with looking into supernatural matters. In the 19th century, um, I was going to say England, but he does go to America at certain points. Uh, so she's sort of a contemporary of his. I'm pretty excited for this. Uh, it, it advertises itself as a uh, lock-roomed murder mystery, uh, puzzles paranormal detective Sarah Jewell and her associate Marie Therese when a weekend trip on a private island off the coast of Washington goes astray, trapped by a storm and surrounded by... I think they omitted the word a by a myriad uh, and the words of by a myriad of suspects who have gathered for an auction of occult uh, items. The intrepid duo must unravel the supernatural mysteries surrounding the guests in hope of uncovering the murderer. So again, um, if you get invited to a big fancy party um, on an Island, uh, inevitably a storm will, um, you know, uh, keep anybody else from showing up and someone's going to get murdered. So, um, just don't go outside anyone ever. It's uh, there's a lesson to be learned here. So just very excited for this book. It's, it's always interesting to see these books that get more and more and more further away from just being super Hellboy centric uh, and sort of kind of operate on the fringe or sort of have these very thin uh, connections. Um, I think some people would probably roll their eyes at that, but I always kind of find those the most interesting um, because there's so much freedom there. Uh, to just do crazy stuff. So very pumped for this. Well, for me this week, I am excited for, I guess before I get into my pick, uh, let me shout out some of the folks on Discord who have been sitting with us through all of our technical difficulties and issues today. Uh, Danny's pick for this week is Batman the Detective number two. Stephanie's pick is White number one. This That book was almost my pick for this week, except for I'm not picking it up through like comic distributions. I actually backed it on Kickstarter, so I'm waiting for it to get sent to me. Um, So not my pick, but I did want to bring up a book that I'm excited about this week, which is Time Before Time, number one. This is written by Declan Shelby and Rory uh, McConville. McConville? McConville, I think that's how you say it. Uh, Art by Joe Palmer, uh, colors by Chris O'Halloran, with letters by Hassan Atmen Elhau. This is Shelby's latest book that he's working on, but he's got a co-writer. I'm excited because like Shelby's writing for me is is always flip flops. Like I like it, but then I don't, but then I do, but not really, but then I actually do like it. Um, the solicit describes this book as a looper meets saga in an extra size debut issue, which I absolutely fucking hate the idea of. Um, like that seems like grabbing two good or popular things and then just mashing them together simply because you can. Like maybe if we mix caramelized onions with Jolly Ranchers would have a really banger of a snack. That's disgusting. Those are two separately good things independent on their own they're fine by themselves how dare you push them together um 
But the real solicit actually says um, the year is 2041 or 2140. And to escape a world with no future, many turn to the syndicate, a crime criminal organization who, for the right price, will smuggle you back in time for a better life. After working for the syndicate for years, Tatsuo and Oscar decide to steal one of their boss's time machines, but soon find out the one thing you can't run from is your past. Nice. I, I can get on board for that. I don't know. I, I'll just say like, any time any story that has to do with time travel is always wonky at some point but i really couldn't shut up about time paradox ghostwriter so who am i to speak the real question is how are they going to make this into an ongoing book the solicit says it's supposed to be a new ongoing book so with time machine or with time travel in general i feel like you run into like a lot of like hiccups and stuff but you know anything's possible we'll see i'm going to just trust that shelvy and mcconville know what they're doing joe palmer's art looks stupendous so far from the previews you can see so i'm ready for this book Anyways, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about, of all the days in the year to talk about this, we chose Mother's Day. We're going to be talking about the which long-running superhero will be the best dad. So when we come back, we're going to, we're going to just dive right into that. This week on I Read Comic Books, we are asking the question, which long-running superhero would be the best dad? And in parentheses, is it Batman? I think the answer will surprise you. Uh, welcome to Clickbait. This is the I Read Comic Books podcast. <laughs> uh, so so this, this topic came up. I don't remember who threw it my way. I think it was Kara. And it was just kind of goofy. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then it ended up being this episode with me and Nick and Renee to discuss it. So... Uh, you know, folks in the chat are even saying, I know it's not Batman. You know what? We'll, we'll get to it. Uh, myself, Renee and Nick have decided that we're going to go through some of the people that we think are kind of good dads, maybe bad dads. And, uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll just go from there. So I guess to get things started, Nick, what was your first thought when you read this? Like what was the first person that came to mind or which character? I mean, uh, maybe it's just instinctively what comes to mind just because I've been reading so much recently, but I sort of was like, well, what about Hellboy? And obviously he mm-hmm. loves he loves cats and he's clearly capable of of looking after living creatures, which is a good start. But of course, he also uh, smokes cigars, which I mean, maybe not, you know, uh, second secondhand smoke uh, is not a great, um, you know, not a great thing, probably for raising In a different kids. era. In a, In a different, different era, era that right? would have been celebrated, right? right. And nowadays, it's like, no, nah, you probably shouldn't smoke, uh, shouldn't smoke cigars around kids. Yeah, I mean, like secondhand smoke is basically like on par with like like war crimes now or something like that. You know, sure. I, sure. I, I like I think of it in the same way that like when when we all saw that scene in Mad Men where like they had the picnic and then when they were done with the picnic, they just took the picnic cloth and just <laughs> flung everything off into the woods. And I was uh-huh. like. I would be I am more shocked about this than than a murder. Um Right. Right? So it's kind can, of like I can let the misogyny and all the drinking go, but littering in a right, public littering, park. Right. Um <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of those things. And I think like secondhand smoke is sort of in that same vein of littering where it's like in the grand scheme of things, this is terrible. N- not the worst thing ever, no, but it's so out of favor now that when you see it, it's like Ooh, so that would be yeah. a hard one to overlook. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's probably also hard to wrangle an emergency backup babysitter when you're in hell. So sure. I don't I don't know about that. Like dad would okay. definitely be gone a lot dealing with supernatural forces. Uh so so there's also that, but I mean I I would say, you know, when he's when he's around, you got the strongest best dad that exists. Uh sure. Um, so, well, let me just springboard off of that, I mm, guess. Mm, okay, um, go ahead. If we're going to talk about strong best dads, yeah. uh, the, I was going through my list of, of people that I could consider for this topic. And, <clears throat> you know, just because it's timely, I figured I should bring up Omni-Man, um, a.k.a. Invincible's dad. Um, I, I think, in all honesty, if I'm being completely honest, no, no, no. I'm not going to get too deep into the we spoiler can, territory for this because I actually want to talk about this, yeah. I want to talk about Nolan um Grayson before all of the shit that happens in in Invincible the TV show. Because I feel like before like all of the stuff that Omni-Man ends up doing, you know, that kind of changes the direction of the show in some ways. He's actually kind of a good dad. Like, he loves his son. He loves his wife a lot. Um, I'll just leave it there. Uh, and he really, like, I feel like he, he, he wants to nurture this kid that he's got, right? He wants to take care of him. So he's supportive of him. He's like, hey, one day you're going to get superpowers and it's going to be great. And we're going to be flying around. We're going to be superhero dad and son. And, and Mark is, like, all about it. I think his relationship with his dad, despite, you know, the awkward, like, oh, Mateen, you're kissing my mom. Um, ew, like that stuff that's that's not him being a bad dad right i think it's just him being a dad but i think that nolan is actually a good dad up until a very specific point in the series <laughs> so like all things considered up until then i would say like omni man pretty good dad on paper uh and then you know the story happens but uh like i don't know is he the best dad i mean like if you read through the whole series like even long term there's like there's a lot to be said about it that we could probably get into like deep dark uh spoiler territory with but yeah i feel like you know as a as a as a person who's looking who's mark is looking to as a father i think like up until a certain point he's a solid dad that's that's all i'll say about it. i don't know if you guys have any other any other thoughts about that <laughs> what, what i'm hearing is like it. you're asking this character to be judged based on like invincible <laughs> one through three and then ignoring <laughs> four onwards or somewhere I, thereabouts. you have selective memory and only <laughs> yes. remember the good times Right, that's what makes a good father. So long figure. as Hold you on. remember events that weren't actually depicted in the book and that were maybe discussed as happening before the book <laughs> takes place. Look, yeah. I want you to take this re- like this actual one Saturday afternoon and only look at that, and then. All right, all right. Maybe, base, maybe I'm based the decision of best dad after a really solid game of catch from around the world. Okay, maybe I'm not wrong. Like for the first sixty pages of this book, he seems like a pretty decent individual. Mm -hmm. Yes, but the hundred plus issues after that make it very questionable. I'm not talking. Sure, no sure. okay all right you know you guys are right I, I i am being quite selective about this because like if we look at some of the other people that are on this list i think they've all had their moments of being a good parental figure a father figure um but ultimately they are all bad because i think this this maybe gets to renee's big point but i do want to hear one of renee's um like 
ideas before we get into like your big <laughs> summation about the point. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. Let's hear it. What do you mean? <laughs> who is who is who is a good who is the best superhero or comic book dad, I guess is what we're kind of getting. You at. specifically said long running superhero, and my immediate thought was uh well there isn't, because like, you know, family takes backside to the whole rest of the world, which is like sure ninety percent of like Western comics, you know, father relationships. Is well, like, it's, all, the... it's all about the greater good. The greater good. Um <clears throat> Well, it also yes. doesn't help that truly good parental figures in long-running superhero comics are dead. Yeah. And that sure. comic well, is likely built on the foundation of that really good parental superhero figure being dead. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. And, like, well, I started thinking about, uh, like, even in manga, I was like, a lot of the time, like, the parents are not around or, like, they're very, very, like you know, not really sure what's going on. And what then about have... Death Note? What about the dad and Death Note? Yeah. yeah, the dad and Death Note, Renee. The dad and Death Note, whose son is the killer? Yeah, but that doesn't mean that he's a bad dad. <laughs> I think there's an argument that he was a good man, but again, the the, the job came before that. Sure, Even though he sure, cared sure, sure. about his family at the same time, he kept them all at an arm's length. True. And while he did eventually sacrifice himself for his daughter, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, the main thing was that he kept everyone kind of at an arm's length because, you know, the job came first. Hmm. Hmm. You know? And it's like, you know, again, everyone kind of, you're supposed to put them on a pedestal because they're doing things for the greater good. The greater good. Um, But at the same time like are they still a good dad to their children or are they just a good role model and is there a difference hmm. and then you have okay. characters like uh, like yo asakura's dad in shaman king which uh, i don't know if you guys have read that series i haven't i haven't okay well it's it's really good uh but mikihisa asakura is Yo's dad and he kind of sucks and like they at one point like they they are literally pushing everything onto the children and they ask hey why are you pushing it on children you're all adults mm-hmm. why aren't you taking care of this and they're like well because adults can see their limits and understand that they can't solve this whereas children the next generation they have unlimited potential you know when they're young so hmm. it is unfair that we're doing this to you, but understand that the entire world is at stake. And it's like, wow, that's intense. But also, like, you're still a bad parent because it, it they, this was like, <laughs> you know, like five eighths of the way through the story. And like, also, Mickey Hisa doesn't show up to like a good, like, you know, third way into the series. Okay. And then, like, the more you learn about him, you're like, you're a bad parent. And like, the, all these. Like I didn't even th- I thought he was dead. I thought the parents were dead for like you know the longest time. And then they're like, oh no, they're there. They're just bad parents. They keep sending their children off into the mountain to go train with ghosts. <laughs> I mean, how else are you going to get trained by a ghost, though? You know, um... well, considering he's from a family of shamans, that you're all <laughs> they live in a haunted like <laughs> temple. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, okay. Okay, but like so, that's, I mean, I... but that's like one of the main things in comics, in 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 manga and in Western comics, is that like 
you know, they're becoming their own role models and like the, their parents are, are kind of like the reason why they're either not present and that's a huge thing for them mm-hmm. or they're the antithesis of what they want to be, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, but that's kind of a huge motivator. So it's like, is there a good dad in comics? You know, should there be? Well, I Nick and I have some other options we could discuss. Man, I feel- Danny Ichigo's dad? Don't even get me started, bro. Yeah, in the chat, Danny is just posting anime gifts. You know, we got Piccolo on the list. We got Ichigo's dad. Danny's saying Alfred Pennyworth. I think there might be an argument to be made about, like, you know, step-in father figures. But before we get to that, Nick, I want to hear another option that you've got, that you've you've put in the notes here. Yeah, I, I mean, this is, interestingly, I, I think it kind of piggybacks off of or or riffs off of i mean technically your pick sort of chronologically riffs off of mine but Mm -hmm. um there's there's always sort of the the idea of superman and obviously in in a lot of ways omni-man you know being this you know super-powered individual who Mm -hmm. comes from another planet and blah 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 it's obviously much like most of invincible is referencing a riff or riffing off of uh, big two comics omni-man is clearly superman if if superman uh didn't really break bad and um <laughs> if if superman did what vegeta came to earth to do all right we're crossing over too much here but like yeah and and i don't know like i don't read a lot of Sup- superman books so i can't say that like oh well i missed the one where he turned out to be a less than perfect uh individual but mm-hmm. like by and large, I I do think, especially if you look at something like Super Sons or, or things like that, that he he seems to be a, a pretty good father figure. I think probably the only like stumbling block would just be the idea of like, is he too perfect? Like, are these like shoes that are like you know too big to sort of like come into? Basically, like, is that like big shoes to fill? Are there high expectations there? And I'm not saying that like he's reminding you know uh what's his name jonathan yeah i think so Uh, all the time like you know you need to grow up and be as good as me and blah 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 but but certainly the you know it would be intimidating to to follow in that but like you know then again you know how intimidating is it when you have to follow someone who has come from another planet and managed to conceal themselves completely and utterly with a pair of glasses. So like when you've got that level of power working for you, like I think you're nigh unstoppable. So I mean, kind of, I'm trying to find out what this kid's name is. Is it super, Be- super boy? I, I don't even know. Is he, I think Superboy. Superboy, right? Superboy and super- Damien in the, in the super yeah. sons book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I think, I think he, be- he takes over the mantle of Superboy Cause there's, there's just continually Superboys happening. Right. <laughs> But I don't know if not that we want to fall down this rabbit hole because we don't. But There's too I many. There's don't too think many. the other ones were technically his son. No, they were his clone. But now, yeah, they are. now we've so, entered into Death of Superman, Dan Jurgens, like 1992 territory, which has well, a big sure, even, do not cross e- banner across well, it. Even so. even the rebirth that happened, where they had the new Superboy, like he was still a clone made from Cadmus. 
And then Jonathan Kent is not a clone. Right. And this is okay. And this is why we again we're we're gonna put we the, at IRCB are going to put the yellow police tape just, across. We're just gonna call him Superboy, and eventually he's gonna become super teenage boy, and then he's gonna yep. be Superman. With the with the circular sunglasses. The, I think the, the, he's, I, he and should the just call jacket. himself Super Sun, and then Superman should just become Super Dad. Super Dad. Yeah. I actually like Super Boy, Super Youth, Super, super Young youth? Adult. Um, super, super youth, super young adult, super um, youth and revolt. Yeah, yeah, super youth and revolt. Uh, and that's where you can choose either a soup or become a youth and revolt. Um, so soup isn't like a bowl of soup or like a superhero. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a new Olive Garden option. Uh, sorry, I'm all really over the place with rebellious teens. Yes. So I soup plantation or super. Youth. I immediately went to the X Men. Okay. When I was thinking about Shaw. this topic, because Shaw. I know, <laughs> I know, you guys, I get it, I, uh, I get it, uh, but I, so the first two characters that I thought of were uh, Professor X and Scott Summers because they're both dads, <sighs> God. and they're Summers both dad. They're yeah, okay. So let's talk about Scott Summers. That was the character I wanted to talk about, anyways, because Professor X is just a straight up bad dad. Um, versus Scott Summers, I feel like he's kind of a good dad. In that, like, he has his own problems, but he's had he's had a few kids because Rachel Summers is technically his daughter. Cable is technically his do- his son, um, and Nate Gray is technically his son. Um, and you know, ultimately, though, these kids have to come back in time or come from another dimension to save the world because it's likely something that Scott did as part of the leader of the team. Um, but I feel like recently he's been trying to make amends with like Nate Gray specific or Nathan Nathan fucking cable Summers. essentially young boy cable yeah nathan summers thank you he's been trying to make amends with him in the cable book which i kind of find to be endearing like it's it's kind of adorable he's just like son you you gotta eat breakfast before you go out and save the world he's like but dad my girlfriend's here we're gonna go find a mutant baby that strife's come back in time to kill me because of it's like how is this leave it to beaver but with these stakes Cable's um, got a girlfriend yeah, Cable's dating uh, one of the Stepford uh, girls, uh, Stepford Cuckoos. But um, yeah, oh, that's it, actually good for him. That's I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a really whole. Nice. It's a, it is. It's kind of nice. Like the Cable book's kind of nice. Um, like, Cable's but, had a really rough time, you know. I exactly. Good things for him. <laughs> exactly. I mean, especially young Cable, who's like hasn't had the grizzled life that old Cable had. Yeah. Um, he just got but, thro- he just got sent away by his dad into the future. Well, yeah, because of a techno organic virus. Or, or listen, this is an X Men history. This is it's we're talking a metal about disease. Call it what it is. We're talking about Scott Summers here. He's constantly going through bouts of like everything is okay, or this is my twelfth midlife crisis. Like I think everybody can relate to that. But does that make him a bad dad? I don't. I don't think so. The, I will say the guy's not very involved in his kid's life uh, in general. Say, the lack right? of presence makes him a bad he dad. Sent, he sent a kid into the future, like Renee said. Um, Nate Gray, I think, was like, hey, I can change reality to whatever I want. So bye. <laughs> he just disappeared off the face of the earth. So like some of it, I can't you can't blame Scott. Uh, you can't blame him because like Nate Gray just disappearing. That's that's just bad writing. Rachel Summers, I think Scott died in the alternate future where she's from. And so you know can't blame him for dying i guess and as for cable like i guess you could blame him because i think in the in the cable moment back in the day when they sent the baby into the future both gene and scott were like well we could go and then everyone was like no you should just send the kid he'll be fine and then they stayed so 
Does that make him a bad dad? I think it makes him a bad dad. Never mind. I don't know what my defense is. I, I feel was like he's say, trying to start it out. In a he's real... trying to make amends, though, I think is where I'm getting at. He's trying to make up for all that lost time. So, you know, he's trying, I guess. So he's he, he's trying to be a good dad because he is a bad dad is what yeah. you're saying. So yeah. you, you've inadvertently admitted that he's a bad dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got there. I, I do have to. I do have to shout out Danny, who mentioned that Cable is a better dad to Hope than Scott was ever to Cable, and that's one hundred percent true because Cable was there the entire time as Hope was getting older. I will say, Cable as a dad though is like having a super military brainwash type of father figure who's like, "We're gonna live in a bunker, and we're gonna have this bunker just in case the bombs go off, so you better be able to kill a rabbit six ways before blah blah blah." Like that's Cable as a dad, and Ooh. he is there, and he wants you to be okay, and he cares about you, and he probably lets you like be upset and be a child a little bit, but ultimately he's like, "After you go play with those kids, you better come back here and show me how good of a shot you are with this BB gun." It's like all right like i don't know kind of tough but i guess he's there so mm, he's uh, there but the situation calls for like a not you know really good yeah 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 um so i don't know but that one's scott simmons that's like a (laughs) toss-up that's a toss-up we'll give we'll give cable like a solid six out of ten i think cable's a solid Uh, gray area like his arm oh my god um Nick, what else, what other people did you have on your list? Please get off. Let me get away from this X Men stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say if 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 we fall down there, we're we're just never gonna recover. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like a, 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 another one for me, I, I guess. Like Godzilla. Godzilla's a good dad. Uh, hold on. Ex- <laughs> hold on. I would love to hear this. Yeah, Nick, explain how. I mean. In this essay, I will look. I was, Please. I was, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm an old person, which means occasionally I do uh, turn on broadcast television, and I don't know if anyone else has broadcast television because uh, it's free and and cable is like seven hundred dollars, but um, there are channels now that constantly show very old, very bad sci-fi movies constantly, but it's uh, free. And it's free, and you get what you pay for. And and uh, there was one with like I think it was called I think the movie was quite literally called Son of Godzilla on a couple like a month or two ago, and it was like Godzilla and and his son, and he was like teaching him how to do the flame breath and help him kill a spider. And I'm sh- I, I I I don't know if this happens in the comics. I haven't read all of the Godzilla comics. Um, there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd like to assume that that uh, sort of parental sentiment uh, carries through. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Godzilla, um, I mean, I think okay. it's a, a mixed bag in, in some ways. But yeah, exactly. Son of Godzilla. Yeah. Nick, I just look. Yeah, I just looked this up, posted the the uh, poster in our chat. Um, This is the worst looking movie I've ever seen, I think. Yeah, Holy it's close. Sm- Oh my gosh! There I mean, is have you seen Citizen of, Kane? But there's a picture of baby Godzilla on the shoulders of Dad Godzilla. Holy smokes! See, I the thing about this though is I doesn't I saw that look like the kid earlier. from the what's the the what's the show from the '90s? The dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, yeah. Doesn't Absolutely. that look like the kid? The not the mama. He's yelling at his dad, not the mama. Yeah, I said this out loud to Kelly while we were 
while I was reading through the notes earlier today, and yeah. you said Godzilla is a good dad. Kelly said, no, Godzilla is a mother. No. That's actually what I was just going to bring up. I was like, because they don't show a mate. I was like, but like, and they also bring this up in the Matthew Broderick Godzilla. They're like, well, what if they reproduce asexually? You know, and it's a, it's a she instead of a he. Godzilla would be a mother instead of a father. Yeah, I mean, in the yeah the Bra- Matthew Broderick movie, didn't Godzilla lay eggs? Yes. So like, checkmate, Nick. Gotcha. Uh, listen, in the original <laughs> Japanese films, Godzilla and all other monsters are referred to with gender-neutral pronouns, while in the English-dubbed yeah, versions, Godzilla is explicitly described as a male. Okay. Uh, there you okay. go. It's true. We do not know. And in the 1998 film, Godzilla, widely regarded as the best Godzilla film, that's what it says on Wikipedia, Okay. <laughs> the monster is referred to as a male and is depicted laying eggs through parthogenesis. Okay. So oh, so it's it's like that thing in in Jurassic Park where like the the dinosaur can change its its needs based off, or its gender based off of needs of survival and stuff like that. I, I have no idea. Um, okay, sure. Well, anyways, don't do what I did and keep looking up pictures of Son of Godzilla while we're sitting here <laughs> talking. The point is, though, that this it, is the movie, worse. and Nick has admitted that he hasn't read the comic, so we don't haven't know. read all of so the comics. Again, sure. we've reached a gray area. We've reached an impasse. <laughs> I, okay. I of of all of the Godzilla comics I have read, there are none in which he is a parental figure, unless you consider him a metaphorical parental figure to um <laughs> the world. And in that in that case, he's he's pretty bad. It's pretty. It's, it's okay. not good. All right. So ultimately, uh, you know, so I was gonna I was gonna make a really bad joke because last week we talked about Spawn, and I was like, hey, why don't we talk about Savage Dragon? And I've decided that oh, I just don't no. want to go into that um, because Savage Dragon did have a kid, but then it starts to get into really weird comic book territory. Trademark twenty twenty one. So yeah, I. <sighs> This is a weird topic. I'm glad that we had the discussion, though, because I, I don't know if you guys have anything else in your notes about this. I feel like I don't know what else to say other than it seems like Renee might be right. Unless, Nick, you have something up your sleeve that that maybe corrects this. Um, I mean, beyond this, uh, I have uh, I have dark side and I wrote, look, is this a joke to you? <laughs> My God. <laughs> And then I have Green Lantern, colon, varies by lantern, period. Hal is a big, big, big no, though. So Okay, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, Danny says, if we don't mention Marco from Saga, I may quit listening. Danny, I've only read the first two volumes, so I can't... Um, I can't speak to it beyond that. Well, I, I okay. You know what? I, I will give you that I think Marco is probably a pretty good dad. I think he, you know, to, as far as Marco is considered to Hazel, I think he's actually a great dad. And he's had his ups and downs as a character, but I think that a lot of the problems that he has are more with Alana, like in terms of like some of the controlling stuff, in terms of some of the, like, I, I don't know, like him, he and he and Alana not being on the same page about a lot of things. Again, it's just communication stuff. Brian K. Vaughn really likes to write a, a real life drama. So it's it's kind of hard to have fun with the discussion on that. But the the thing is, I will say when you're looking at it, uh, as far as Hazel is concerned, I think he's a very good father to her. Um, but yeah. Is he a long-running superhero? Oh, well, I mean... I don't like, know about superhero, You made the criteria, Long-running, long definitely. Sticking to it. Well, okay, all right. This is... this. Things are very fluid here, Look, okay? I mean, after I listed Godzilla, I think we just throw everything out the window. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He 
it's so, technically he's long running and I mean is Dark Side even a superhero? I don't think so. How do we define a superhero <laughs> versus a super hit villain and where does the line lie? Oh let's oh, just like if we're if we're just going just... for if we're just going for best dad, then I totally have the best dad. Okay. Not me personally, like like I'm not gonna my dad's not <laughs> okay. in comic books. Uh sure. Best comic book dad. <laughs> <Go ahead>. <laughs> <laughs> This is the this is the wildest episode we've ever recorded. Please, what is what is your best comic book father figure? Father, I guess it's Shuji Sumimura from Kakaishi. Okay, for everyone the, who hasn't read that, what exactly is Kakaishi, and why is this guy the best dad? So Kakaishi is a series that's about these two families that protect a holy site from demons. And like it's both of these families were given this um, mandate from like the leader of like this magic um, style. Like it's like it's a martial arts style, but it has to do with magic. They are specifically like barrier mages. They can make areas to destroy demons. It's a whole specific thing. But the founder what entrusted these two families to take care of this holy site, and they've been taking care of it for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so now these two main characters, Yoshimori and Tokine, are taking care of it. And Yoshimori's dad, Shuji, uh, actually married into the family. So mm-hmm. he is not one of these mages. He's just a normal dude. Okay. Um, and he's an author. But he, you know, is very kind. He's very nice to his to his family he's very involved in their lives and like uh, the older brother will randomly come home he's an adult so he'll randomly come home the dad's always really excited he's like oh my god masamori's home we're going all out for dinner it's gonna be awesome he does all the chores at home takes care of stuff and because he Uh can't use magic like the rest of the family he's like well i'm gonna take care of everything else and you know he also he like he knows that his children because yoshimori doesn't want to be the mage that takes care of the holy site but he kind of has to because he was like chosen by it it's a whole thing Mm -hmm. but he doesn't want to and his dad is aware of that he like he wants to be a pastry chef so his dad you know encourages him to do that and you know you know lets it he like teaches him some things he's very caring about all of his children and you know he's also very like caring about his father-in-law and stuff and even Mm -hmm. though he doesn't have any powers there are times where he you know suits up and runs to the the holy site because he's like he's like it's all hands on deck Mm -hmm. you know and he's a very caring and kind man. And, you know, he is the best dad. I See. actually started to think about it. I was like, he's like, you know what? Shuji's not only is Shuji a good dude, he's a good dad. Because hmm. also Yoshimori's mom is just like never around. And it's a whole thing. And it's very sad what happens in the end. And I'm getting real emotional about it at the moment. Uh, <clears throat> Everyone should go read Kakaishi is what I mean. They should because it's a very good series and also has the best dad. Okay. Other than well, Jonathan Kent. I do. I do want to shout out. Okay, you said Jonathan Kent. I mean, but okay, all right, it's fine. Yeah, like I do old, want to shout like out old school John, Jonathan Kent. Okay, okay. Um, I want to shout out Danny's pick, which I should have been right on my list, which is Luke Cage. Luke Cage is straight up like great dad all the time. Really quick before we wrap up here, I want to read through a list that I found. Um, I know this. I didn't prompt you guys with this, but I want to read through a quick list um, of what CBR considers to be like some of the. They just, they just said Happy Father's Day, but I don't really know if we should wish Happy <laughs> Father's Day to some of these people. Um, one of them is Thomas Wayne uh, uh, and his son, but like the, or excuse me, Thomas Wayne, like the the alternate universe Thomas Wayne, like where he's Flashpoint. Batman. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Magneto, 
uh Raz al Ghul. Ooh, <laughs> Mr. Oof. Mr. Fantastic. Uh they did point out Jim Gordon, which you know what? I don't know. He puts the job first, though, you know? Um <laughs> Nick Fury, which I was like, okay. Um Animal Man, uh Buddy Buddy ba- Butter buddy Baker ba- is what buddy I Buddy Baker. Said. Buddy Baker. Yeah. <laughs> Norman Osborn. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, Odin. I'm a bit of a scientist myself. <laughs> yeah, uh and Wolverine, which I was like, okay guys, I think we're I think we're stretching things. It's I mean, they're all technically fathers, sure. Um but you know, it's kind of an odd list. Oh yeah, and someone wrote uh uh Rick Grimes as well, which I was like, I don't know, oh. man. Yeah, but yeah. Anyways, this, for, this some, like for some reason, I like when I hear Grimes, I think of Chuck. I went with Morgan Grimes, and didn't even think of Walking Dead. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was so All confused. Right. This it. this episode is is out of control. I appreciate everyone who stuck around. Yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us today. Uh, let's just let's just wrap this things up. If you guys are interested, you have any other thoughts about what dads we didn't talk about on this episode, make sure to send us a message. You can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Renee at Rodrigo twenty nine. You can follow Nick at Death Star Plans. You can follow me at Mike Rapid, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast, where you can send us a DM on Twitter or Instagram, and I will you know about your favorite dad that we didn't mention. Uh, we'll happily bring it up next week on the show. This episode first aired on Patreon, and it's possible because of our wonderful patrons join today for exclusive series like ircb movie club saga to saga and so much more you can join now at patreon.com slash ircb podcast if you haven't already please rate and review our dads i mean show five stars on after podcast <laughs> stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts it really helps us spread the word about ircb Join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more and listen to our episodes live as we record at ircbpodcast.com forward slash discord. And it would help us a lot if you would tell your friends or your local comic book shop about the show. Uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander is our editor, and he's also just the guy who he writes some of the best titles for this show. You know, if you if you ever see a title of the episode that's funny, it's probably Xander. Uh, I want to say thanks to Nick and Renee for being here on this episode. Shoutouts to Stephanie and Danny for hanging out with us in the Discord, and thank you to everyone out there who's listening to the show and shares it and stuff. We really really appreciate it. Until next time, comics are good, and so are you. <laughs> <laughs>